Trump administration has tasked agencies with making artificial intelligence a top research and development priority. But it also sees AI tools as important to the future of the federal workforce. The National Academy of Public Administration, in a new study, has outlined some of the next steps agencies will need to take to embrace AI tools. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman has more. The Trump administration, through an executive order in February, urged agencies to make AI research and development a top priority. Now the White House says it will release an updated national AI strategic plan later this spring. Lynn Parker is the assistant director for artificial intelligence at the White House's Office of Science and Technology Policy. Speaking at a NAPA event Thursday, she said the update will reflect comments the White House received from a request for information it issued last year. The Office of Management and Budget and the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs are also working on their own AI guidance for agencies. But Parker said the guidance will be tailored to reflect different kinds of AI applications. You can think of each particular use case of AI as somewhat a different use case. For instance, if you have an AI tool that is being used to detect a fracture in an X-ray image, for instance, the AI issues or the, the kinds of guidance and governance that you need for that is different than if you're talking about a UAV or if you're talking about the use of AI for the decision of whether or not to provide someone access to a loan or something. So having a sector-specific approach to AI governance makes the most sense. However, just asking every agency to go forth and, you know, guide is a tough road to follow. So what we need to do then is to provide overarching guidance so that we can have some consistency across the agencies and how they think about AI governance. While the guidance will give agencies a better sense of best practices around AI, Parker said the administration is also looking to avoid a one-size-fits-all approach. All AI is not the same, and so we don't want to have a big overarching umbrella that says we treat all AI the same. Um, There are many people who call for AI to be explainable, for instance, but maybe not every use of AI um, has to be as transparent as every other use because the implications of the AI doing something that we're not happy with are different. The risk is different. Its impact on people is different. So because all AI is not the same, we want to be sure that we treat each AI use case in terms of its risk and its potential impact to people. In the defense community, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency has been looking at ways to develop the third wave of AI. That's AI that can explain its decision-making to a human operator. Parker said the federal government's role in R&D has shifted over the decades. In the years following World War II, the federal government funded about a third of R&D in the U.S. Today, she said it's more like 3%. We now have a very strong industry base that is investing significantly in R&D. But the federal government still has a very critical role in its investments. And so we want to prioritize the important investments there. Regardless of how much we spend on R&D, we want to make sure that those investments are used wisely and in the areas that are most impactful. The president's FY2020 budget request looks to cut overall federal R&D spending, but Parker said the budget request also ensures that AI research won't bear the brunt of these cuts. So the expenditures in AI in particular have not been cut, even though overall R&D budgets um, proposed in the president's budget has been cut. The FY20 budget request also calls for about $850 million in AI R&D funding to support the American AI Initiative launched under the president's executive order back in February. That funding will get spread across the Energy Department, the National Institutes of Health, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, and the National Science Foundation. I also spoke with Karen Shrum, a principal in government and public sector at Ernst & Young. 
She's also an author in Napa's recent report. Here, she outlines some of the workplace culture changes that will need to be made to roll out AI. What I think is critical for leaders and managers to think about is the notion that cultures need to be very agile and need to be adaptable in order to incorporate all the changes that will come. When I talk to managers and leaders about introducing change into their organizations or introducing AI into their organization, what I encourage is the word incremental. This is not something that you can do in one fell swoop. We talked about it in the panel as being very ongoing, but it's also a case of introducing smaller changes, helping people to acclimate to those smaller changes and building on the successes and celebrating the successes that you've had once you've introduced them. Something that's very much in the conversation right now is the idea of reskilling the workforce for the jobs of the future. What are you seeing as it pertains to the reskilling piece of this? I think there are a lot of initiatives that are underway to reskill the workforce and a lot of discussion about it. It is, as Dr. Parker mentioned, an agency by agency exercise. And so what we start to see is we start to see pockets of preparing employees um, more so than whole scale reskilling of the workforce. As far as we know now, what are these future AI-focused job series? And more importantly, what are the skills that the next generation of federal employees should have to be prepared for this future workforce? It depends if you're talking about the folks that are actually developing the AI from the data side of the house or the folks that are going to be leveraging the AI to execute their work. When you start thinking about the data scientists and you start thinking about the folks that are going to be trainers or the folks that are going to be developing that language within AI, that's a whole different skill set. And a lot of the conversations I've had have been around our traditional learning patterns and traditional studying patterns, the type of folks that we want to engage in the workforce. From the point of view of the folks that are actually going to be using the AI to do their work, I think you can start to see a greater emphasis on analytical skills, the ability to take in large amounts of data, analyze it, synthesize it, and then enable the recipient of that data to understand it. If you think about how citizen services are going to change and how employees are going to be able to deliver those citizen services, it's an understanding of what that final end user experience is, how I'm going to take the data that I'm getting from my AI and be able to help my end user or my end customer to make sense of that. So to put it maybe in a very simplistic form, it's a combination of analytical skills the ability to synthesize, and then I think the ability to communicate and translate that out to an ultimate user. There's a big part of this conversation of AI not necessarily replacing jobs, but augmenting these roles and and giving federal employees more time to focus on the critical thinking pieces of their jobs. Could you just unpack that a little bit further of what the potential is to free up federal employees to do some of this more critical thinking kind of work? The level of reporting that's required of a federal worker, the ability to make sense of that data takes time to do. It takes time to think about what you're seeing. It takes time to think about what you're reading, to pull in data sources from any other angle and package that, and I'm using one example, into your report to feed up. The fact that I don't have to go into a database or in multiple databases and search for that data, but I have it available to me in front of a nice-looking visualization or a nice-looking dashboard that I can easily translate and make sense of it, has just freed up an enormous amount of my time. 
I think the other thing that we tend to lose sight of is there is a large percentage of our workers within the federal workforce that are more seasoned, more experienced, that are not necessarily going to gravitate to this as naturally as somebody that is trained in school or coming up in the years. There is a definite role and a definite purpose for that more seasoned, tenured employee in the workforce to impart some of the knowledge and some of the experience that you can only gain from doing the job over a number of years that you cannot glean from a set of data sources or from a set of just interpreting data. So the kinds of roles in terms of mentoring, in terms of coaching, in terms of guiding and advising the employees that are dealing with this data for the first time is going to be a critical component of any workforce strategy and workforce plan. Jory Heckman, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com.